We are excited about summer. I, I love the summer. It's, I mean, I like Colorado because I like all the seasons. And so, like, when the next season comes, I'm always ready for it. And so I can say that honestly about every season. I love the spring or I love the summer. And it's, summer's just around the corner here. But, but we sat down as a teaching team and said, what can we do that, that on the weekends are sort of like standalone weekends? And by that we mean you don't have to have the history of last weekend to understand the message for this weekend. Because people are traveling, they're vacationing, and they should be. We're in Colorado, right? So take your vacation. But, um, but we came up with this series called Games People Play. And this series is going to take real-life games that probably most of you have played at some point in your life. And then we are going to make an application to that game. For instance, this week is Twister. We'll be talking about that crazy game here in a minute. Uh, next weekend is Battleship. So it's this idea of how do you hide yourself from other people? That can be bad. Or how can you blow somebody up? You know, how can you win? That competitive spirit, is that healthy or not? And games like Monopoly, what would, that, what would the takeaway for that be? Would it be greed? Yeah, probably. Uh, how about Angry Birds? Anybody play Angry Birds? Yeah, so we're going to deal with anger on that weekend. So it's just, there's just tons of stuff. And so we really hope that you will come anticipating and having some fun. And, and we'll go from there. But it's going to be a good time. So the first thing, if you have one of these programs here, uh, take it out and go to the back page if you want to jot some stuff down. The first thing I'm asking you to write down is this, the game itself. The game twister itself. Now, it's, it's been around a long time. This game, this is the, this is the most current box. Uh, it's had a few different versions, I think, of the, of the cover. But this is the most current box. Now, if we open this up, you're going to see several things in the box that are kind of fun. First, this. This is God. <laughs> this is what determines how awkward you are going to feel in your life. Um, we'll come back to that. This is very important. <laughs> I've got to show you something really funny. Adult assembly required. <laughs> I promise it says that on the front of this box. So since I'm an adult, I can open this up. Now this, this is really the sheet that is very, very important that you have to have in order to play Twister. Now, how many of you just, I'm just curious, how many of you have actually never played Twister? Just raise a hand. Awesome. Come on up. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to do that to you. Uh, we do not want to see that. Uh, so, so here's the deal. Here's what happens. Most of you know this, so I'll make it quick. But you spin this dial and it says something like, uh, this one says, left hand blue dot. So what you do is you lay this on the ground and, and then you get as many people around it as you want uh, on each corner or however many people you have playing the game. And then you put like left foot on green and everyone would have to do that. And then you put like, like let me just show you kind of how this would work. So if I spin, this one says right hand on red. So let's move on. Besides that... <laughs> That's what, that's what would happen right there with this little dial. You, here's the thing. 
Twister, the game itself, leaves you in very awkward positions. It can actually be very humiliating. I would not recommend playing this game with strangers that you do not know. It's very, it can be very revealing. Um, and and it's, it's kind of a challenge because this little deal here, if you're lucky enough to have this turn and you get to sit in the chair and watch and spin the dial, if you want to, how many of you like me when I was in charge, I just looked at everybody on the board and thought of like the worst place possible for them to put their left foot. You guys did that too? How many of you did that? Oh, come on, more of you did that. Yeah, I did that. But, but it's, it's really a challenge because then you get to call the shots and then you have to play and they get to do it to you. Number two in your outline is this. Have you experienced life beyond your control? Now, we laugh a lot about the game itself because someone is telling us what to do. They're in charge. If you're going to play the game, you have to do what it says you have to do. In real life, this happens to us all the time, and it's not fun. It's fun in a game because you're expecting to have fun, you're expecting to laugh, but in real life, when you're out of control and someone else is calling the shots and life is beyond your control, let me just give you some examples. Disease. I didn't ask for that. Um, I walk around hospitals pretty often. I stand over caskets of teenagers who have taken their life. That's tough. These are things that leave people out of control and wondering and not sure where God went and if he's even real. Because how would God let that happen? See, see the big questions? The big things about Twister, as a matter of fact, in our culture, a Twister, a tornado, is called a twister many times. And, and you will hear a commentator say, this twister wreaked havoc through this. Look at the path, and it shows the footage of debris and broken trees and ruined houses. That sometimes is what we feel like happens when life comes to us and it's beyond our control and we can't fix it. You guys, I love situations that I know I can fix. But boy, is it tough when you can't fix it. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about a guy who started out with the name of Saul. Uh, many of you, if you've, been, if you've looked at the Bible much, you know this, this guy was a real leader. He hated Christians. Matter of fact, he went and arrested them and took them back to Jerusalem to put them in prison. Many of them died because of him. But then God met him on a road and revealed himself to him, and he became Paul. And we know him as the Apostle Paul. Because he planted churches like, like you read his letters to, to churches like Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae. So does that ring a bell? You know, all, he wrote most of the New Testament. So when you think about this guy, and the church in Corinth basically said, you're not really a true apostle because you weren't with Jesus. You weren't like one of the disciples. So Paul writes him a letter and says, let me tell you a little bit about my sufferings. 
So it sounds like he's going a little crazy here, but he's not. He's trying to make a point that it has cost him to be a believer. It's cost him. He has faced life beyond his control. So just follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are they, meaning the disciples, other are they of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped um, times without number. I've faced death again and again five different times. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. The, the law was you could only give 39 because the 40th one might kill you. So he's suffering. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger from, or in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then he adds this last thought. Besides all that, the physical stuff, I have the daily burden. And that word means heaviness on my heart for my concern for all these churches. Because as he went around and then he gets a letter from a church saying, oh, so-and-so are fighting and so-and-so are having problems and they're going to false doctrine. So he's, he's, he's creating a picture that his life has been beyond his own control. Things have happened to him that he would never have chosen to have happened. Where was God during all that? You know, wouldn't it be logical the way I'm a very kind of logical guy in my thought processes and doesn't it make sense that if I'm going to do work for you, God, then then I'm going to have a special protection from persecution because after all, it's your name I'm trying to make famous and so it makes sense that you would protect me. But he faces all of this. Where is God in your problem right now? Where is God in the dilemma that you are facing? Is he there really? Why is Paul telling us all this? He wants us to understand that in this life, there is hardship. Matter of fact, Jesus said... In this life, you will have what? Trouble. <laughs> it's not very encouraging, you guys. But remember, this is not heaven yet. This is not heaven yet. How many of you know that? So we have to be really careful about our expectations because in this life, we will have trouble. And I ask you the question, what is your response to trouble? What is your response when life goes beyond your control? What is your response when the dial is, spin, is spun and you are not in control? Will you respond or will you react? Those are two very different things. You know, a reaction is this, this impulsive, ah! And, and a response is contemplative and it's stepping back and saying, I need to get this right. I want to pay attention to what I'm going to do here. And I believe as believers, we need to respond and not just react. Number three in your outline, what are the voices of authority in your life? This is a very important question that you need to answer because you need to decide what your attitude is going to be toward authority. 
You don't have to like all the authority in your life, but you have to decide if you will respond to it or not. Because I would propose that right now there's some authority in your life that you wish were not there sometimes. Let me, let me just give you an example of a couple things like this. I want to say a word and see if you understand what this is. This word is taxes. How many of you are just joyful as you reach that moment of paying your tax? All of you, when you buy something, you pay a tax. What would happen if you went to the store and you bought something and you saw that little tax line and you said, oh, no, take that off. I don't want to pay that. They would say, well, you have no choice. If you want the item, you're paying the tax. No, but I don't want to. Well, I don't care what you want to. You are, it's imposed on you that this is beyond your control. You want to live here? You want to purchase things here? You will pay tax here, period. You don't have to like it. Matter of fact, I remember the first time our son Ryan, when he just got his first sort of real job, and he got his first paycheck. And he's, he looks at it and he says, Dad, look, this is how much I made, but how come my paycheck is only this much? I said, oh, that's called taxes and Social Security. And he said, but I didn't ask for that. I said, yeah, but it's no option. And then I was trying to make it better. I said, I, I think I said something like, we were driving in a car. I said, do you like this nice paved road that we're driving on? He said, yeah. I said, well, you can just pretend that you paved this for us. Because your taxes helped pave this road. Do you like the sidewalks you skateboard on? Yeah. Well, just think, you paid for those sidewalks so you could. It didn't work that well, but anyway, we, we kept trying. <laughs> Driving laws. Driving laws. You, you may not think the speed limit is appropriate, but you will suffer consequences if you are caught not obeying. I saw a, a, a police officer had someone pull over yesterday when I was coming to work, and I just thought, I wonder, wonder what happened. Is it just a taillight out, or is it, are they guilty? <laughs> Tough stuff, being caught. Laws, driving laws, you have to obey them. What is that? That's this. That's someone beyond your control telling you what you can and cannot do. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to do it. It creates a burden sometimes in our lives. I'm going to give you one more illustration. I'm going to say it, HOA. <laughs> How many of you have one of those? You know, I know, it's to protect you. It was so funny. We, our neighborhood, we were redoing our, our floors. And so the construction guy, the contractor, had his trailer, his work trailer, parked in our driveway. And I got, it was there for a couple weeks, but after the first week, I got a letter in the mail from our HOA, and I opened it, and it had a picture of his trailer parked on the street there where he parked it. And it said, you have gone more than seven days and this trailer is no longer allowed to be parked here. Seven day is the max. Article such and such, you know, and it gave the little listing. So please move it. And I thought, okay, well, I, I get that. We'll, we'll, we'll move it next door. Uh, <laughs> or somewhere. <laughs> it wasn't even my trailer. And... Uh, so I understood. But then I, then I really started thinking about that. So I started thinking that somebody is driving by our house and they're looking at that trailer and they're saying, this is day one. 
This is day two. This is day three, and they're going through this day four, day five, and I, I almost felt like they were getting giddy, hoping it would make it to seven. Like, we got them at seven. Seven, oh, get the letter. <laughs> How many of you have the HOA police in your neighborhood? It's just amazing, it's just amazing. That's this, beyond your control. What are the personal things in your life you would write down? Job, you're expected to be there, let's say it's nine o'clock, 9 a.m. What if you said to your boss, well, you know what, I'm not a morning person, I don't wanna be there at 9 a.m. Well then, go look for another job. No, I want this job. You don't have the option. Why? Because someone else sets the rules. This is life, and this goes on and on and on. And I'm probably overstating it, but I want to because I want you to feel the burden of life sometimes is very real. And I think we underestimate the pressure that we live under and the anxiety that it causes because someone else is in control over so many things in our lives. You know, if you don't text somebody back within 10 minutes, they're angry. Expectations. It goes on and on. We will face them, but who will you allow to be in control in your life? Who will you offer authority to? That's the biggest part for me. I believe that I need people who have authority in my life, and I want them to speak into my life. I have friends. I have Bonnie, my wife, first of all. But then our kids, very close friends, who can tackle me if I'm running the wrong way on the field. Thank God. I want that. You guys, that's not a burden to me. I hope that you have that kind of healthy accountability with people that love you, believe in you, keep you in their best interest. They have integrity. They are honest. And they come alongside you to help. That's what life is all about. But ultimately, the biggest authority that I want you to say yes to in your life is God. If you hand God this control, you've done a good thing. Because he will help navigate you through the minefields of life. Number four. What happens when I force the move? What happens when I force it? Now, let me explain in the game what I'm talking about. So, let's say you have four people here all twisted up, both hands, feet, we're all everywhere, and, and the next spin is just over the top. No one can do it. Two people can't reach it. To do it, it's going to crash everybody. That's really what the game is intended to do. Finally, everyone falls over. They laugh and they start over, and someone else gets to do the control. But in real life, I'd like to just spin this on its head for a moment. What's it like for you to have authority over others? What's it like to be a parent? If you've ever been in a store like I was recently where I saw a dad barking at his two kids in anger over frivolous things. Don't get that. Get that out of the shelf. Make, get over here. Just, and these poor, they're probably, I don't know, 10 and 12. And I just, I had this horrible thought, like, should I say something to him? That's not really my business, but what is their home like? 
what are, what are these kids going to face with someone who's barking out orders and he's mean? And, and what is my role in this, if any? And God and I prayed for that family. I can't imagine what, it, what would happen inside the house. Let all, this is in a store. How do you handle authority? If you have been given authority, and by the way, all authority is given. Even Jesus said, all authority has been given to me by my Father. You don't take authority. It's given to you. And so, so I, have to, I have to carry it loosely and carefully. If, if I have authority over something, I need to really, I really need to treasure that. And I really make, need to make sure that I'm not forcing the move that crashes everybody around me. If you're a parent, if you're a boss, you have employees. If you work with people who you have authority over, I, I challenge you. I, you know, remember, remember a few years ago. Man, it's, this is probably 70s or 80s. I don't even remember the dates. But we, a lot of us wore these bracelets that had four letters on it. Anybody know what it was? WWJD. Yeah. What would Jesus do? And I think that was an attempt for believers to, 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 to daily ask the question, am I right now, is my attitude, am I, what would Jesus do? Oh, oh let me take this off for a minute, <laughs> right? I'm done with that. What would Jesus do? So there's this idea that I, I want to, to have the attributes of, of Jesus, even though it might be hard, it might not be what my reaction would be, but if I stop and think and I have a response how can I be godly in my response when things happen? I just want to compliment you, Timberline. One of our 14ers this year, these are like mountains we're trying to climb as a church. And one of them is generosity. And, and you are you're just amazing. You, so many of you are so generous. Here, let me give you an example. Last weekend, we had our, our Timber, TSM, uh, Timberline Student Ministry, car wash. And so many of you went out there and got your car washed. But many of you didn't have time or whatever. They watched less cars last weekend than the year before, but they made a little more money. That's a pretty good deal. How many of you would like to work less and make more? <laughs> and, and they said to me, both Tim and Justin, our youth pastor, said, it's, it's the crazy generosity of this church. They told me stories of many of you who would go out there, roll your window down, and hand out a check for 100 bucks. Some were $200 said, we already washed our car, it's clean, we don't want your hands on it. No, I'm kidding, you didn't say that. You didn't say that. But said, we already washed our car, but we believe in what you're doing. Put this toward the ministry to help young people because we believe in young people. That's powerful, that's powerful. You guys, who does that? I'll tell you who does that. People who want to make a difference in life. People who, who believe that their, their life matters. Their generosity matters. Their time, their smile, their glance, their helping hand. It matters. And when you take the time to do that everywhere you go, in your neighborhood, in your stores, where you shop, where you live, where you work, it changes a city. It changes a state. It can change a world. And God knows that we need it. Will you be patient when others aren't? Will you listen when others don't? Will you respond rather than react? These are, these are big things. I, I, I want to wrap up with kind of three things that I think in your outline that are like things to, I don't even remember, to consider. Things, thoughts to consider. Thoughts to consider. These are three kind of things that if you'll keep this in mind this week, I think it will help us all. So the first one is 
keep in mind that life is not a game. You know, this life that we live, it can be fun, it can be rewarding, I get all that, but it really isn't a game. It really does matter deeply what our convictions are, what our behaviors are, and what our patterns are. It matters. And I'm just going to throw this out there. This is the only life that you are ever going to have on this earth. This is it right here, right now. What you have left is all you have. So live it. Live it. Man, don't live lost in yesterday or fretting about tomorrow. This is your chance. Breathe it in and live it today. Do the things that you're dreaming about doing. Make it happen now. Life's not just a game. You can't just redo it all. You can't just start over. You still have your past, but God can help you live it to the fullest. Don't waste a minute of your life now. The second thing I want you to think about is that the greatest voice of authority is God. The, the, the greatest voice you could listen to and choose to hear is not your own. We, we like playing God. We always think we're right. Case and example. How many of you are usually right about things? Yeah. Of course you are. Because it's your perspective. So I have to look at scripture, I have to look at standards, I have to look at morality, I have to look at value systems, and I have to say I can't always stay with the trend of our culture. What is the trend of scripture? And I personally believe that the gap is getting greater between how we are called to live as sons and daughters of God blessed with forgiveness, being called the children of God, and what the culture has put out as the expectation of how we should live. I hope that's not the voice you listen to. I hope you listen to the voice of God as your final authority. Seek his voice over any other path. And then number three, we're going to face challenges in this life. And, and I think this could prepare us more than anything else is just the knowledge that something bad could happen. Something beyond my control could take place in my life. Will I be prepared for that? Well, if I'm now getting ready, if I'm thinking about it, then, then I'm going to be prepared when that comes. Even though I won't choose it, I won't want it, I still won't like it, I'm not going to be totally blown out by it and lose my faith and walk away from God. You know, I, I sometimes... Speaking on stuff like this is always kind of a challenge because God puts me to the test. Like the week before, I'm always like, okay, God, I know I'm saying this, but please don't hold me to it, right? So, so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what? And, and sure enough, this week we had, a, I won't go into the details, but something just totally beyond our control. And it just was just crazy. And I just, I had to just stop and I say, God, this is yours. I'm yours. And you can't just, you're not just going to bail me out of this. I didn't create it. I didn't do anything to cause it. But I'm in it. And so I need your help. Listen, God has not promised you that he will keep all pain from you. But he has promised one thing you better not forget. And that is he will be with you through it. He will be with you through it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. This is Paul wrapping up. 
if you want to just close your eyes and listen to this, it's powerful what he says. Three, three, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He's talking about something as an ailment, either in his physical body. Some say it could have been a disease. It could have been his eyes. It could have been who knows what. Each time God said, my grace is all you need and my power works best in weakness. Oh. So Paul says, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. And then this line, for when I am weak, say it with me, then I am strong. Say it again. Then I am strong. Whoa. My weakness. <laughs> then I become the vulnerable man or woman or young person that God says, I can use that. Let's pray. It's overwhelming sometimes, Lord, to face issues beyond our control. We don't want to choose it. We wouldn't choose it. But sometimes we're in it. And I pray that your spirit would draw men and women in this moment in a very powerful way. That you would show them you are a God who loves them. And you are with them through it. You guys, in a minute, I'm going to ask those of you who are overwhelmed with the situation. I just felt prompted to do this in every service. To just stand to your feet and let me, us, pray over you. I'm not going to have you come up here and then you're going to sit right back down. But it might be your first time in this room. Those of you in the South Auditorium, you're in with us, okay? If you're sitting there and you feel you want to stand, I want you to stand. But this isn't just a general everybody everywhere. It's just if you know, you've, you've encountered a situation beyond your control and you don't know what to do, I believe God wants me to just pray a prayer over you and I want our church, our family to agree with you. Stand now if that's you, please. Don't be afraid at all. If, if you, maybe you've never stood up and you're worried, just, just stand. We're just going to pray. Now, I would really like just for, if you're within distance and you can just stand and put a hand on a shoulder, you might not even know them. It's fine. Just, just a point of contact with someone. Would you just do that right now, church? We're family. Our living room. We're going to just believe. And then I want you to pray in agreement with what I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, this is family. <laughs> we believe in you and we believe in prayer. That's why we are here. And we have family, our brothers, our sisters who have stood. We may not know the details of their need, but we know it's beyond their control. There could be desperation, even though there possibly is faith as well. We need the peace of God that passes the understanding of man to fill their hearts and their minds. 
We need you to let them know that they are going to go through this and you're going to go with them. Take fear away. Take anxiety away. Don't let them feel threatened. Let them feel peace. Let them know that in their weakness, they become strong. That's your promise. We give it to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We love them and we bless them for your purposes. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. One other thing I felt impressed, uh, I believe it was on Thursday, just a weird kind of moment for me. And I'm not trying to make this overly prophetic or anything, but I just, I felt like I'm a messenger to somebody. And it could be a dozen of you. I'm not saying it's just one. And I'm saying it in every service. But I think, I think somebody here today has had this idea that this problem that you're facing, this thing that is bigger than you, is because God is mad at you. And it's punishment. That was really what came in my mind. Pray for someone who feels like they're being punished for the things they did that ticked God off. And I'm, I believe, I'm just going to say it, I believe I am called by God here to tell you that is a lie straight from hell. You may, in fact, have made God angry because of a behavior or something you did. Get it. But he's not punishing you. That's not God. God is chasing after you. And it's not with a stick. It's with his loving arms. He's trying to get, get a hold of you. And you're afraid and you're running, so stop it and run to Jesus because he loves you. He believes in you. Accept that, okay? Just accept that right now. Last thing I want to do is I want to pray for our nation. It's Memorial Day weekend. A lot of emphasis is on barbecue and family and all that. But I want us to just pause here and say, Boy, do we need God in America. Amen? <laughs> so just join me. Lord, we, we sometimes don't know how to pray. Your word teaches us to pray for our leaders. And so we, we lift up our leadership here in this country at every level. And we, we pray that somehow they would be very, very sensitive to your voice, to, to the mandates of God, even if it goes against the grains of our culture that we would be praying and not embittered by decisions made that we disagree with, but somehow we would remain gentle and kind and helpful and do what we can do within our sphere of influence to help bring change that would honor you and glorify your name. We pray, Lord, for our nation, but also as that bleeds over into the world, as a world leader nation, we recognize our decisions matter globally and in this day and age that is our neighborhood and so we just pray for real wisdom and real strength to honor you in all things that you would be glorified on this planet in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen, amen.